0: Hello, and welcome to the Successionistas. The Successionistas. (laughs) A weekly (laughs) podcast recapping and discussing the award winning HBO TV show Succession. I'm Anna Bogutska, I'm a writer, broadcaster, and Succession superfan.
1: And I'm Mike Munzer, a producer, podcaster, and Succession obsessive. And in this podcast, we'll be taking you through the highs and lows of the Roy family saga every single week, recapping every episode of Succession's fourth and final season, which is airing right now on HBO in the US and Sky and Now TV in the UK. And
0: this week, we're diving into season four, episode three, Connor's wedding. They—they they think he's gone. Yeah, what? They think he's gone? What happened? What that, do you mean? Well, they think—they think Dad they think died. What? Yeah. No. I'm sorry. No. Um. No, I can't have that.
1: Hey, Shiv, I'm putting you by his ear. Okay.
0: okay. Uh, is he hearing? Is he still hearing?
1: Uh, I don't know, but I'm putting you there. Okay. And you're by his ear. You can go now. You're talking to him now.
0: Oh. Oh. Okay. Hey hey dad uh hello um you're gonna be okay and i'm sorry it, it, uh, is he dead I, I, don't know. I don't know if he's dead is he fucking dead i don't know mike you're you were almost too chipper in that introduction
1: <laughs> may i just say i think i'm uh, i think i'm in shock Anna. i think you're shell
0: shocked i'm like I, i've just realized fully in black morning you are you're in black
1: right now yeah <laughs> you could be dressed either for connor's wedding or for a funeral <laughs> yes.
0: so mike we didn't get advanced screeners for this one mm. nobody did you know we we had a little a little tanty bee about the fact that we couldn't watch it in advance yes. we had to watch it like everybody else <laughs> and now we see why Connor Sweating, the misdirect for the episode that is actually about the death of Logan
1: Roy. Holy shit.
0: What were your expectations for this episode, considering the slightly odd move that journalists were not allowed to see this one in particular in advance?
1: I think... My expectations were that this was going to be a big episode, but I don't think either of us had any idea what was actually going to happen, right? So we discussed last week about how episode two definitely felt like it was right on the brink of something big happening. We knew that this week's episode was going to be about the day of Connor's wedding and the day of potentially the big Gojo deal going through. So we knew it was going to be something momentous happening. But of course, this episode, the title of it is Connor's Wedding. We thought the centerpiece would be the wedding itself. But of course, the show throws us a kind of curveball because the episode begins with Logan essentially uh, skipping his son's wedding and flying to Sweden to talk to Matson about this deal. And 15 minutes into this episode, Logan suffers some kind of heart attack and then dies. And we don't really know how or why this happened because we are not really privy to the information. We are with the the Roy siblings at the wedding who are told about this over the phone via Tom. So it's all a bit strange and chaotic and confusing and emotional. And then the bulk of the rest of the episode actually sort of plays out in real time. What we see then is, I think it's a 28-minute sequence in the middle of this episode that was shot in real time, almost like one take, but with two cameras. We'll talk a bit about that later. As the Roy siblings talk over the phone to their dying father and sort of come to terms with the death of Logan Roy, all in the middle of this wedding. So it was an extremely shocking and surprising and unexpected episode. Um, It was a lot to deal with, Anna. How did you find it? What were your kind of thoughts going into this?
0: It was a beautiful, genius, Machiavellian levels of misdirect by Jesse Armstrong and the succession writers, because not only is it quite shocking, but once you think about it, excellent plotting to put Logan's death so early on in this episode. And I think that was a surprise to everyone, including Brian Cox. Uh, he's already kind of done a few interviews about his and the end of his role in the show. Uh, but you know once you get over the shock you realize this was this was always on the cards yeah. this entire show it's in the title it's about what happens after the patriarch the titan dies and you know when he could be dying metaphorically as in you know he's stepping down for his role or literally dying yeah as it happens in in this episode and the absolute shock of the first watch of this episode was because, okay, it's happening, but then you go with the siblings through every possible stage of grief. Yeah. As they're going through it, because on the one hand, you're like, wait, no, it's episode three. It couldn't possibly. Wait, no, but Connor's wedding, what does that mean for the Gojo deal, for the company, for the sibs, for Tom, for like yeah. all these different things start kind of popping in your mind as you're seeing the absolute emotional chaos that is going on for the bit for the biggest chunk of the episode. Mm. And I feel like, you know, it's it's quite neatly divided, right? Into we see Logan for the first few minutes of the episode before he actually takes off. And he has just enough time to deliver another gut punch to Roman by forcing him to fire Jerry, knowing Not understanding, but knowing that they have a special kind of relationship. Ill-defined, but special. Yeah. And then we never see Logan have a heart attack, a stroke. We don't actually see what happens to him. We don't see really, aside from a couple of uh, really almost, you know, hidden away shots. We don't see him being revived or the attempts to revive him. We're just then with the siblings, with Tom with the neat divide between the people on the plane who are all syco- sycophants, they're not <laughs> yeah. Logan's family, and Logan's family that are on the ground and in different stages of denial and grief and cell shock or completely oblivious to what's happening in the case of Connor. Bless him. Oblivious to the very end. And then at the, at the tail end of the episode in the last third, you see what happens in a public sense, in a business sense, because this is not just the death of a man. This is the death of a company, in a way, at a really crucial moment for Waystar as well. So actually, it's really gnarly and everything has to happen really quickly. So even while the siblings are just still processing, we get this really sharp pivot to we need to do things. We need to have a press conference. We need to move the body in a way that the paparazzi don't snap pictures of it. Or if they do, that they're sort of elegant paparazzi snap- snapshots of a human body being removed from a plane. We need to know what's happening with Matson. We need to know, you know, what's happening with the board. Like all of these Chess pieces that need to move. One of the, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about devastating shots, but one of the ones for me was Roman looking at the stocks yeah. and seeing the nosedive that our stock take within minutes of the rumor and then the confirmation of, of Logan's death. And it's like, fuck, this is this is also a reality that they have to deal with, that most of us don't have to deal with. It's the private grief and the public grief. Yeah,
1: totally. It's, and it's such an interesting, like you said, it's a sh- it's such a shock when it first happens because of the way that this has been written and directed, this episode. It's messy and it's frustrating and it's confusing when it first happens that they just received this phone call 15 minutes into the episode and it's you're suddenly like, what? I was like, this can't actually be real. This is a play. Like Tom is saying that he's not well. This is going to be some sort of trick. And then you're like, no, it isn't a trick. But what? what is happening and like you said the camera really doesn't give us a proper glimpse of logan on the floor being resuscitated it's it's kind of strange and messy and but it, in that regard it feels so real i think you know this this incredible You know, we'll talk about it. It's it's not a a single take as such, but there is a there is a real time sequence through the chunk of this episode, right? That is all done, you know, continuously as these kids deal with this and hear about their father in real time. And that whole thing, like you said, it feels so unbelievably real in in a way because you go through every stage of confusion and anger and denial and sadness and acceptance. And and yeah, I think they do an incredibly job at cramming so much into one episode. Like you say, they then have to quickly pivot from, oh, this isn't just the death of our father. This is the death of a business. This this has repercussions. This has, how do we face this publicly? They go through all of that in one episode and yet it didn't feel crammed in it didn't feel fake it didn't feel rushed to me it kind of felt like we were really with this family in real time working Mm -hmm. through these different stages you know and that is the genius of this show and of the writing and and also putting it in episode three suddenly makes so much sense as to what we saw in episodes one and two i think because we talked a lot about how logan roy you know brian cox really got to show his prowess in the first two episodes got scenes yeah, yeah. we yeah, literally right. sat here and talked a week ago about what an amazing brian cox episode it was last week where he got his big rousing speech at atn he had his tender moment with the kids in the karaoke booth like we didn't know at that point that that showdown in the karaoke booth would be the last time these this family would ever talk to each other right but i think it just adds even more weight on those first two episodes, particularly last week, doesn't it? So I think, actually, it seems like a complete shock and twist that this happened, but it kind of makes total sense in everything we've been watching, doesn't it? You know? Exactly,
0: exactly. You know, like like I was saying, it's, it's a shock when you're watching it for the first time, because mm. even though you know that the whole show is going towards that moment... It still catches you by surprise. And it's inevitable and it's unplanned and it's unpredictable. And it's kind of one of those things, you know, not to get, I mean, we will get very intense with this episode. I warn you now. (laughs) Uh, And I'm warning you, too, listeners. But death is inevitable. And no matter how much money or power or PJs you accumulate, it will just come for you, and you won't know when, and you won't know how, and we don't actually know. You know, I was listening to feverishly listening to some podcasts and kind of reading articles about this episode because it airs in America on Sunday night, so they've had a whole you know day um, ahead of us to create recaps and content and stuff, mm. and you know, it's it's devastating because we don't really. See or really figure out in what conditions uh yeah. Logan's death came. There is something kind of unsavory floating around, which I'm sure will become a source of humor later on. Mm. You know, the fact that he was in the bathroom, that they had to like use a special key or knock the door open or whatever. There's yes. one podcast that I listened to that sort of hinted it was Carrie with him in the bathroom yeah. when he died, when he had, you know, his attack or whatever. So all of that is kind of just in the background buzzing. Yeah, It is just so sudden and so unplanned. Not even someone like Logan Roy can actually get over it or can create or organize or streamline his own death. And there's something that Mark Milo had said, who's the director of uh, this episode and is a longtime director of Succession. And they're talking about this episode on the official Succession podcast that HBO has been putting out. He said this thing that really, I think, summarizes the episode for me that big things don't happen in a perfect way. Yeah. So I think even the way that they choose to present the death of Logan Roy is completely going against the tradition of kind of overwrought, overplanned, perfectly sappy, everybody gets their last perfect moment with a character kind of death that we've seen in television. Yes. There is no sentimentality. And, you know, even. And we'll go through kind of how each character essentially reacts to the news. Yeah. Every character, especially the kids, including Connor, have an absolutely devastatingly imperfect last conversation with their dad. Yeah. And either while he's still awake or while Tom is holding the phone to his ear, to his definitely unconscious, possibly already deceased ear. And that just makes it even more gut-wrenching doesn't it because yeah you're like oh fuck they will never aside from just the f- the sheer fact of losing their father at the at any moment at this moment in particular they are now and you can see it in their faces in the performances later on in the episode you can see them rewinding to the last conversation they had with him
1: yeah to
0: roman thinking about the message he left in his phone asking him if he was a cunt To shift, whisper yelling in his face, telling him that she's never going to forgive him. Yeah. To like Kendall, you know, like rejoicing in the fact that they have some juice over his deal with Gojo and that they're, you know, humiliating him together. Finally, like all of these interactions that we were, you know, salivating over in in the last episode. Now we're like, oh, fuck, that's the last time they interacted with their dad. That is the last time and they will have to think about that for the rest yeah, of their absolutely.
1: lives. And you're right, that's how, that's how death works. It's the one thing that Logan had no control over. And I think it, it emphasizes this idea that of course the show is succession, right? Like in some ways, it's easy to forget that this show isn't really a, a show about Logan Roy. You know, in, in, in season one, there was that potential from the very beginning, right? That is Logan Roy going to die at the beginning of season one and, and it's going to be about what happens next. And I think because Brian Cox was so good and because they the writers loved this character so much, that didn't end up happening. But that was an initial kind of impetus for the show, right? But, but I think, you know, the way that we find out, the way that we're not with Logan when it happens, you don't get that big important, like you said, that, you know, the things that come to mind are like the... Um, Spoiler alert for House of the Dragon, but the Paddy Considine death in House of the Dragon, right? Which is this big, dramatic, rousing scene where he's on his deathbed. We get nothing like that in this. It is weird and jarring and frustrating. And we only get it from the siblings' perspective because this show mm-hmm. is about these three siblings, right? And, and, and you know, this that, that that moment kind of really brought that home. And just what a messy relationship with their father all of these kids have as well. And I think that really hits home, it, like you said, with this episode and the way that they all left things with their dad one by one.
0: And also just like the the moment where each one of them is thrust a phone into their hands mm-hmm. and told, you should speak to your dad now.
1: Yeah, like this he's is it.
0: This is probably the last time, this is it. That is, like, that was the way that they all react to that moment is so telling and so beautifully written for each one of the characters yeah and it perfectly i think captures this w- weird confusion that exists when something like that happens to you something like that happened to me actually not to get too real but when my my grandma died um she was far away and it, it was a long time coming because she was sick with cancer but when she was actually dying i my dad came into my room thrust a phone in my hand and said your grandma's dying talk to her god and i remember thinking about this a lot while i was watching the episode and thinking you have no idea what to say you're like roman says hope you're okay and just is disgusted with himself and Shiv fully regresses into like a kid being like daddy please don't go yeah and kendall is like Oh, also, just like, I I can't get over the things that exist between us, but I do love you. Which is probably the most, like, most honest yes. Um, thing. I don't, yeah, I know. I don't believe that Roman or, like, they all love their father, but they're also, they hate him in so many ways. Yeah. And it is, like, that moment, especially after they give the phone away, especially when Roman, like, he says he's the first one to talk to him and he talks to him and then like, he's like, no, no, I can't do this. And kind of gives the phone away and sort of, yeah. I don't know, hides himself amongst the plants in there. There's there's something almost embarrassing that I really connected with where it's like, I everything I'm going to say in this moment is going to be wrong because the unpredictableness of the moment, the complete unpreparedness of everyone dealing with death or with someone dying in their life, like unless you are, and I don't want to frame it as if, like it's a good thing, but within the realm of what death might mean or how it may come about, if you know that it's coming and you're able to like properly say goodbye to someone, you might have steadied yourself to know what you might want to say. But like in that moment where you thrust a thread in your hand, it be like, tell someone you love that who's dying something. Yeah. You're like, everything is going to be embarrassing. Everything is going to be bad. And then you just have to live with whatever those words are. Yes. That will never be enough.
1: And you're absolutely right that immediately as well, this is something that we all find, I'm sure, when you lose somebody is that, you then overthink everything you did say and think, well, that was fucking stupid. Oh my God, why didn't I say this? Why didn't I say that? Suddenly you get guilt, you get regret and that's all in there too. And you're right, you know, it's it's a weird, embarrassing, strange thing to go through anyway. It's even worse when it's over the phone, I think. And it's even worse when it's over the phone and you know that there's a whole group of people on the other side of the phone holding oh it God, around yes. him. And you know that, and that's that's embarrassing and awkward for any people no matter how well balanced they are for the Roy kids you know that's like and for a kid like Roman you know that's like it's like the most difficult thing in the world right as well so Mm. yeah there are so many layers going on here and so many emotions that these kids have to juggle and again like oh my god if If Kieran Culkin and Jeremy Strong and Sarah Snook don't win all the awards, you know, for this episode alone, right, I will be shocked. Just like, I think they
0: should make a special award at the Emmys so they can get each get one because yeah like you cannot put these performances against one another they just go so hand in hand and you Agreed. know i, w- I want to talk a little bit about roman because i think you know we start the season th- we start the episode with him
1: yes yeah let's start by talking about roman yeah
0: and he so first of all the sibs don't know that roman's already been dealing with logan behind their backs. so he's the one who is actually the last of them to talk to logan while he's alive and then leaves that voice that voice message on his phone. And he's the first to talk to him when Tom hands him over the phone. And Roman really, from that moment on, just like, I know I mentioned Kieran Cul- Culkin's ability to emote through body language. It is off the fucking charts in this yeah. episode. The way he literally, like, you it know, is. comes in onto himself and then, like, you know peacocks about sometimes, and then just avoids eye contact or asks for physical contact. The way he awkwardly hugs Connor's arm when they finally tell
1: him—oh, that like, that I moment know, killed me. It's really like the first time. It's really like the first time you actually—and they have a proper hug at the end, the three of them, which we should talk about. But it, that moment when he grabs Connor's arm is really one of the first moments ever that i can think of where we see roman sort of show physical affection towards somebody no matter how awkward it looks yeah. it's still that's yeah. real raw physical affection that roman shows to somebody good. at that point yeah and it's connor of all people and then, you then he know. goes
0: into complete denial yeah. and the way that that denial unfolds it's really it's really sad it is it's so sad because you just see him being like I cannot deal with this. I'm going to shut down. I'm going to yell dick and fuckity fuck shit and then tell everyone that they're not that they're lying, that it's not true, that we don't have the official confirmation and therefore it cannot be true. And everybody kind of gets it and lets him be. But it is horrible to watch the way that he like, you know, almost like a Tasmanian devil just frenzies himself into the stage of denial that he, like, I cannot imagine what's going to happen next episode because he just, like, he cannot comprehend Mm. this happening. And I think a big part of that is the guilt about that last voicemail that he left on Logo's phone.
1: Yeah, totally. Calling him a cunt, right? You know, like, actually kind of a healthy moment for Roman I mean we've been talking about Roman throughout this whole season as he's kind of like a bit of a new man in some regards and 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 seeing him do that was kind of quite satisfying and before I knew what was about to happen 15 minutes into the episode I was actually already preparing like oh I'm going to talk to Anna about this because you're right his physicality even from the beginning seemed different in this and did you notice that he he had lost the kind of really lovely costuming that he had in episodes one and two and he was back in his kind of corporate working for Logan sort of suit again which even more than usual I thought looked a bit more oversized it almost looked a bit more boxy Tom Womskam suit and I felt like that was a deliberate choice because it made him throughout this episode look even smaller and scrawnier than usual in a weird way as well and like it was a deliberate contrast to what you see when he's in his like California pad working on the hundred with his siblings at his most healthy and happy potentially right at the beginning of this season yeah. so even that was really interesting the fact that all three siblings were wearing black mm-hmm. throughout this episode before they even got the news right but they were all wearing black to connor's wedding but it, they they looked like they were all dressed for a funeral for the from the beginning yeah. almost you and
0: know. i think you're completely right and also picking up on that shiv who looked terrible in the last episode i think because of her her slight win at yeah. the end of the last episode, um, she, I mean, she looks incredible in this one, like in that black fitted blazer and the ponytail and the dark lipstick. Sarah's looked like unbelievable, but I think kind of that slickness has to do with her sense of... Um, like a brief moment of empowerment and brief moment of self-assurance which has not really had in the last entire season and every single episode of season 3 of season 4 so far so yeah completely and like yeah the funereal aspect of it all has been their telegraph from the start you know you could say that is it a planned dig between the sibs because they're like oh it's all, it's like Willis funeral because she's married yeah. Connor
1: but no yeah. I don't think so I think it's just like clever clever costume design it's so interesting all of that from the beginning you you know that something's coming and and, and also the way that Logan was really setting out Logan was at his most kind of bullish and dickish in this first 10 minutes right? Logan like, was
0: saying that they, they needed to be more fucking aggressive Aggressive.
1: Yeah. So his, his literally his last line ever on this show that we hear him say is clean out the stools, re- strategic refocus, more fucking aggressive. That's the, that's the last thing we hear him say that we know of on succession. Right. Which is really interesting. He wants to fire Sid. He's making his son fire Jerry. He's going in to make this deal. Like he is just like absolutely bullish.
0: Can we have a moment for Jerry?
1: Who looked amazing in this episode, yeah. by the way. Jay Smith yeah. Cameron looked, ap- she absolutely, absolutely ate this episode
0: yeah because she that color that like grayish lilac suit she was wearing the hat on the angle her eye makeup she looked bang yeah she looked amazing also you know just to like regale ourselves in the jerry of roman will they will they thing when roman is like kind of trying to fire jerry he's oh. like oh you know he can't look her in the eyes and you know, he's like trying, like hanging around this and, you know, he's just doing this thing and he tells her, you make me go weird as you know and fully intend. Yeah.
1: Which is the closest thing to a declaration of love, I think, that Roman will well, ever do. <laughs> and even more so later, right, when he says to Jerry when they're on their own and he goes, I'm sad, I'm feeling sad. And you just know he wants a hug from Jerry, yeah. right? He At yeah. this point in the episode, he wants none of the siblings have hugged anyone or had anyone hug them. And yeah. he just wanted jerry to comfort him or do something but jerry just completely left him at that moment right i
0: mean jerry i mean i simply cannot understand why logan would hate jerry so much and want to fire her and ping cruises on her at every opportunity he wants to fire jerry i'm like excuse me you yourself said no one's as no one's as loyal as jerry so jerry did like she says you know, dance them through a thunderstorm without anyone getting wet.
1: Exactly. I'm like, yeah, she's
0: done her job. She's great at her job. And like, still, she's the first one on the chopping block whenever Logan gets, you know, the fancy to fire someone. Yeah. But the other thing, you know, that you made me think of is the fact that there is now a much, much starker separation between the sibs and the corporate lackeys. Yeah. So Jerry, Frank... Um, Tom, Mm -hmm. Greg, and...
1: Carl. And even even Kerry, right? And we should talk about Kerry too. But yes, this is the thing that slowly comes into play, right? Is that you go through this grief with the siblings and then suddenly it comes into what happens next who's gonna make the statement and you've got frank and carl and caroline Ka- carolina all being like we need to control this maybe this is a chance for us to put drop our names into the statement you know so that the markets know blah blah blah, blah, blah. suddenly there's this like selfish term that everyone takes from this point onwards right and even kendall He has that really interesting speech where he says, Everything we do and say is going in the memoirs. Yes. You know, what we do today will always be what we did the day our father died. So let's grieve and whatever. But not do anything to restrict our future freedom of movement right which essentially is he's thinking about his future in this company right as well and knowing that yes we've got to grieve but also we've got to think about this maybe as an opportunity and all this you know and it's just this like weird mix of emotions all going on with everyone at this point
0: yeah Yeah. and this is this is the move into the public life of logan and kind of all the the inability to be human basically when you're in charge of a company that big because there's repercussions to everything as we've seen you know like we sort of see this in the new gen way with Matson, you know when he's mm-hmm. in season three where he's tweeting some nonsense which is obviously very taken from elon musk and then like that has repercussions on the market and stock prices yeah. and acquisition prices the same with logan like it's not just a man who's died it's an entire operation mm-hmm. and you know the sibs do kind of realize that and then very quickly they're once again kind of Shifting into succession mode, but yeah. you know, to reiterate my point from earlier, now the lackeys—that oh, sounds really dismissive, but you know what I mean—the people in the plane oh, yeah. versus the yeah. sips. The people in the plane, they do not and have never given a fuck about the sips. Yeah, they, and the separation—they're now like literally eye rolling, very obviously around them. There's like, no, you're you're now just some dumb kids with seats on the board, but also no you don't like leave this to the adults mm-hmm. and the one kind of thing you know there are moments of kindness that i think we should talk about in the episode because the biggest one of them is actually tom mm. tom who for one episode just sort of puts aside any bullshit and does the humane thing which is call he calls shift twice first yeah. before calling ken And she dismisses the call, which when I watched it a second time, when I watched the episode a second time, it was like, oh, it's like a punching me in the gut. I know. But he makes the effort. He like tells him like, no, you should you should talk to him now. I'm going to hold the phone. You should call Shiv. You should call Siobhan. He's the one who's pushing Ken and Roman to get their sister. And then he like takes a couple of jabs on the chin and he's like, it's fine. It's a difficult day.
1: I know, but then Tom is also has his little slimy, sneaky Tom moments as well in this episode, doesn't oh, he? I you am know.
0: in no way, shape, or form saying that Tom is a good person. <laughs>
1: yeah, but I'm you're saying right. He
0: did a kind thing.
1: He did. He did, and he he has those moments of humanity when he's. And it's a hard thing, right? Because he's not being very clear with the siblings, but it is really unclear. Like I was thinking, what the hell would you tell them in that in that stage? Yes, he is. On the floor, not breathing, people are trying to do CPR to him. Do you tell them he's dead? Do you say that mm-hmm. they're trying to revive him? Like, what if we all tell the siblings that their father's died and then he pulls through? How bad would that be? Or what if we don't tell them that he's dead? You know, it's like that's a very hard thing to communicate during all that chaos on the plane, right? So I do, I do get it. Um, yeah, but it is you're right, you know, there are those moments of humanity with Tom. And I felt so sorry for Shiv in the moment when she's the last person to know you know and again it's just like there's that little there's that little twist in the knife for, for Shiv it feels like more than the others always where the two brothers get this moment potentially where their dad might still be alive and by the time Shiv turns up he's gone right and mm-hmm. and she whatever she says to him Again, whether or not he heard any of them say anything to him, but it feels like pretty definitive that by the time she arrives mm-hmm. during that amazing long take, he's already gone, right? And uh, yeah. Shiv's reaction to that news at that moment as well is just, abs- I think that's that was for me the most heartbreaking moment of the episode. Sarah Snook's yeah. face when she found out that her father her had died.
0: voice right? cracking. Yeah. And she says you know, I can't
1: have that. No, I can't have yeah. that. Oh, no, I can't have that
0: not today. Yeah. And her oh. her voice cracks several times throughout this episode, but it was that when she gets the phone. Yeah. And it cracks and she's like, "Oh fuck." Yeah. It's, it's really happening. No, this is really happening. It's not yeah. a drill. Oh. And also, I know I said last week that Sarah Snook's mouth acting is just outstanding. It is oh my god in this episode everything she is doing with her face when she's in the foreground which is in the background the way her lips purse when she's just like furious but also really sad and wants to hold it together the way her voice changes when she's speaking to logan um for the last time you know at him when she's like speaking with the with her brothers once they're They're all just sitting trying to process what is happening. And she's like, why don't you get me? I was right there
1: and then they're really apologetic too actually yeah. you know, they are genuinely like we're really sorry you know and to be fair what would they they were having this moment at the po- at that point too and processing it as well right mm-hmm. so it's it was really difficult and then of course none of the f- then the three of them realized they had to go get connor and tell connor as well so there's like this oh hierarchy of who knows first almost right and it is and then oh my god i mean just like you said at the beginning the way that all these kids react to this news and then the way connor reacts And the first thing he says, right, is he never liked me or something like that. Like, that's Mm. one of the first things he said. And he suddenly feels really... He looks disappointed that he never got the chance to make his dad proud before he left, before he died, basically. And that was, like, the first way he reacted to it. He
0: says it really explicitly, too. He's like, I never got the chance to get him to like me, to prove to him that I'm good. Yeah. And... (sighs) It's a horrible terrifying thing to just have to in Connor's case to be a kid who has to prove to his dad that he is good. Yeah. When you when you just like think about those very simple words as a child and even as an adult they're fucking devastating. Like that shit will stay with you for your entire life. And in that moment, Connor, who was bubbly mm-hmm. up until this point in the episode, even while he was fixating on the cake, yeah, even while... And I don't think it fully he fully grasped how disgustingly cruel it was that Logan didn't even call him himself to give him an excuse for not appearing at his wedding. Yeah. That he had Carrie call him and be on the phone with him, being like, yes, we're hoping to pop by... Mm -hmm. we're hoping and it wasn't even his fucking dad on the day of his wedding
1: no exactly and we've seen we've seen logan make the effort to go to his other kids weddings when even when a lot is going on right when they
0: were in different countries by the way
1: yeah yeah ships was in england and he just could not give a fuck about connor and that is absolutely again it's kind of interesting that we see him at his most ruthless in this episode logan before he dies in that first 15 minutes basically just like treating all of his kids like shit essentially within that first 10 15 minutes before he goes uh and then struggling you know and then that just adds to that struggle of how they all react to it and kendall is an interesting one like you said maybe in some way kendall has the most honest response which is that he is upset he is crying he is in shock he says i can't forgive you but i still love you right which is you know and then shiv almost tries to say something to that effect too almost feels almost gets angry at one point where she sort of says you can't just you can't like you can't but I love you, you know, and it's like, it's there too, right? Her basically being like, I'm fucking livid with you, but also I don't want you to die, you know? And it mm-hmm. is, it's, uh, oh, again, it's just all so raw and so real.
0: And also Shiv's initial reaction, which she then explains, when Ken goes to get her and he's like, no, it's, it's bad. She's like, oh, is it mom? Yeah. And then she says, when they're sitting down and processing, I was hoping it was mom and not
1: that
0: daggers i mean lady caroline does deserve it (laughs) yeah but daggers holy shit
1: And, and i think i think even at the just to jump for a second to the end of the episode the way that they all treat Going to see their dad's body is so telling and Mm. so right for all three characters, right? Shiv just leaves and, like, has nothing to do with it, essentially. Doesn't want to look at it. Doesn't want to look at it. Kendall is like, I'm going to watch from afar, from the runway. And Roman is like, I want to be there with him and gets on the plane Mm. and walks out with Mm -hmm. the body kind of thing. And again, just those different levels of distance or closeness from their own dad at that point, you know, is so interesting and telling.
0: Closeness and also the way that they all deal with this stuff. And also it's very pointed, I think, that Shiv leaves with Tom. Yeah. She gets Tom to get in the car with her to, quote-unquote, run over what happened again. And, you know, they previously share this hug just for a very brief moment and then she pushes pushes him mm. away. Because obviously she's still rightly really furious at him and this is not a marriage that is going to be saved but in that moment she out of all of them Shiv is the only one who has someone that she can lean on who can give her a hug who can be a person for her Kendall doesn't have anyone he can call Roman doesn't have anyone he can call he tries to reach out to Jerry as we've discussed who's the only semblance of a person of confidence for him and she she unblinkingly turns them away could not give less of a
1: fuck about Roman in that moment or probably at any time because he is no longer useful to her. Well, I was wondering whether she would have been like that with him at any time or was it particularly because of that conversation they'd had about an hour earlier where he had basically fired her as well and was she still angry with Roman for that? I don't know, but you're right you know, maybe that always would have been the case with Jerry, I don't know. Because
0: how does it serve her interest to be kind to him? It doesn't. It yeah. doesn't. And and that is also quite sad, right? Like, even though it's an imperfect union, shift does have a person yeah. who will put aside their, like, feuding right now and just be with her at this moment. Totally. Ken is... A, we end the episode on Ken's face, and he's alone. He can't speak to anyone. Even someone like Frank, you know, who... Has always sort of been like warm towards Ken. There's this moment of sort of real frustration where he like slams his fist against the wall in the plane, but he's still kind to Ken on the phone. He's like, I can't, I can't, you can't speak to the pilot right now, son. And he yeah. calls him son. Yes. And the episode is just littered with these little moments, right? But that compassionate aspect dissipates very quickly, pretty much as soon. As the plane is about to land, mm. all the the senior executives, they're like, "Yeah, okay, we're business mode. We shall process later with our with uh, as people, but like it's work now." But for the Sips, for the Roy's, their entire identities are tied into this man and this business, so they can't separate the two.
1: Mm. Yeah, they just can't. Yeah, everything they've done, and we've talked about this a lot in the last two episodes. All of the stupid moves they've made haven't been for themselves. They've been because they want to kill their father, right? You know, and now they've done that, and now it's like, well, what are they now? Mm. What are they? What have they? What are they gonna do? What? Are, what is their life direction now at this point where they've basically sacrificed so much to destroy their dad in one way or another? Um, and you're, you you're right. You know that very pointed final shot of the episode not on logan's body not on a group of characters just it's on kendall right kendall by himself is the last Mm -hmm. thing we see in this episode which i think is kind of interesting
0: and we should talk about the way that connor bless him reacts to the news because he's probably you know everything i said before connor is the only one who isn't as intertwined yeah with logan in the way that the other siblings are what did you make of his uh his reaction and his sadly overshadowed wedding day
1: i'm starting to think that connor might be one of the (laughs) sort of healthier uh characters (laughs) in this family in a way that is a stretch (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know. I'm starting to think that maybe Connor and Willa as well have the healthiest relationship in this whole show as well. That is, of course, very, very transactional, but is so transparently transactional that it feels kind of nice in a weird way that I don't know that, like, I feel like... I And I think Willa's such a brilliant character, by the way. I just think every mm. week with her, I just... I love her so much. And I do really love their moments together. And I think... Connor is so sad in this episode and yet I'm kind of happy for him that in a way he it, it ends with him sort of securing himself some semblance of happiness and and he, you know I don't know there is he is un- he is less tethered to his father than the rest of his siblings Absolutely. are. So, you know, we'll talk about this later whether or not you'd call anyone a kind of winning character in this episode, but maybe for me Connor is the closest to that because Connor ended up with the woman he loves getting married trying to find himself some semblance of happiness in his fucked up world you know and uh so i'm weirdly kind of happy for connor and willa and i felt like that was in a very very sad bittersweet episode kind of one of the sweetest moments you know in a very strange way i kind of loved that little final wedding that actually looked quite empty quite low-key but yep. quite happy at the same time Right? yeah
0: it's very bittersweet because that conversation well there's there's actually quite a few things going on with connor a little bit in the background because everything every, yes. everything is about Logan's death. But the moment when he is, again, hyper-fixating on event planning, yeah. Connor, baby, you don't want to be a part of this world. You really don't. Okay, just <laughs> let it go. You have heaps of money to pay very good professionals to do that. He's hyper-fixating on the cake. He does not want to see the insides. And Ken gives this little bit of backstory to Connor and his mom, where he he refers to the cake as loony cake because when his mother was committed to a mental health f- facility, Logan and his people gave Connor cake for like a week straight to help him deal with it mm-hmm. or to distract him with just like a week-long sugar high. And he calls it yeah. loony cake. So he's like fixating on that. And Willa's face yeah. when she gets told her is like, oh, okay, yeah. You can almost imagine that mm-hmm. she doesn't know that much about Connor, but she knows that he is he's not a bad man. He's just a clueless man. Yeah. And then the you know the reaction to his dad's death that we've discussed, but that conversation with Willow where he's like, "Well, we should cancel. Everybody will assume that it was your decision, and <laughs> I'm okay with that." Yeah. And it's like,
1: "Fuck, I mean, he's not he's not wrong." He's not wrong, and she basically doesn't deny it no. either you know he says something like do you actually want to be with me you-? and she sort of says look no he says are you just with me for my money and she sort of says there is that yeah it's it's, ha- it's she's safety. not lying to him yeah. she's not lying she's very straight with him mm-hmm. and that and in that weird way i feel like they have one of the healthiest most wholesome relationships in this whole show you know? and that final
0: shot it's not even like nobody speaks you know when. All the hoopla is going on, the sibs have left. A lot of people have left. We get this one shot of their wedding. And it's the wedding that Connor wanted to make like a big press event for his candidacy, which obviously is now not a not a press moment. Yeah. And you just see these rows of empty chairs and just like five or six people in the front row. And they have this lovely, you know, like embrace at their wedding. So it is bittersweet because that's really cute, but then yeah. everyone has left because actually those six people are the only ones who give a shit about Connor and his marriage.
1: I know, and it's so... But but also, they sort of seem happy, right? And so that's why I kind of feel like, oh, well, that's good for them in a way, you know, and it, it, in a weird way, maybe that was nicer for somebody like Willa that didn't have all of the press and hoopla in the end for this wedding moment as well. So yeah, I, I, I loved that, and I love the way that we've been getting just... A little bit more insight into Connor as a character this season so Mm -hmm. far, as well. You know, like I think they've really man
0: behind the buffoon.
1: Exactly. You know, we talked a lot about how each each season focuses on a different Roy sibling, and I'm not saying that this season is about Connor in any way, but it does feel like we are just getting a little bit more Connor in this season, which I've actually really appreciated. You know, he's not just. Like you said, it's it's not just a buffoon anymore. It is there is a little bit more to? We're getting a little bit more insight into him this season, which has been really nice. <laughs> um, but m- maybe we should go back to Tom for a minute as well, because Tom yes. is having quite a big episode here as well, right? He is the man mm-hmm. on the ground or in the plane. He the man is in the, the air. He the man in the air, right? He is the man that is right there with Logan every step of the way relaying information to the kids and you know he has worked and worked and worked on basically getting himself as close to logan as possible throughout these four seasons right like his famous line about you know i've seen you get fucked kendall i've never seen logan get fucked he really really aligned himself with logan i wonder now if that was a mistake right because now that logan's gone you know and and do you think that tom is feeling that in this episode this sudden panic of like oh shit i've lost my protector greg go and delete these files go and do this you know like is is tom flapping now at this point oh, do you think
0: 100 percent? i mean tom is a little bit more balanced than the others but he he hedged all his bets on logan right yeah. he aligned yeah. himself really closer with him he's been there and now that Logan is suddenly gone, kind of his overall act of kindness notwithstanding, Tom is still a grade A asshole. He even <laughs> like makes fun of Carrie when she comes out. And yeah, okay, the the gag of Carrie smiling in awkward situations in an almost like hysterical joker esque grin. I love that gag. And Tom is like, instead of oh, she's in shock, he's like, Well, she's demented. Yeah. Um Yeah. But in this very quiet moment where he goes into a private bedroom on this pj i'm sorry i've never been on a private jet do they have like bedrooms in there what the Fuck! It's Bedrooms. a double,
1: full double bed in there. Anyway, we'll never know, Anna. People like Abby we'll and you never, will never know. know. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe the successionistas will fully break out.
1: Yes, we got <laughs> will a world tour. A PJ,
0: and he sits on this bed and like he talks to Greg. He gives him the kind of you know the little lackey instructions, and then he just has this one sigh, this mm. one moment where he's like, "Oh fuck, I'm gonna have to fight this all by myself because." Yeah. my protector is yeah.
1: gone. Like you said he hedged his bets. He put all of his eggs in one basket because he's he's basically completely cut himself off from the siblings. Same as Greg, right? And you mm-hmm. get that moment. It's the first time we see Greg bump into all three of them together in this episode and they're all like fuck off Greg, oh don't God. touch me. What Don't touch don't, me. Yeah. So good. So good. I and that's it, it. like Gr- Greg it. and Tom are potentially in trouble at this point, I think, these two, aren't they? <laughs> because, you know, you well, just don't know what's... Go- I, don't- I have no idea what's going to happen really next and it'll be interesting to kind of go into that maybe at the end of this chat. But, you know, are the siblings now technically in a better position than certain other people just because they are that they are the sort of direct descendants in a way and maybe the most obvious, you know, next in line? I don't know. I don't know.
0: So the subs subservis- are obviously... Everyone's in a difficult position. The Sips have stocks and they each have a seat on the board. So they have a bit more power. Uh, Tom doesn't really have any real power. And the crucial thing is, contrary to the other, you know, when we should talk about the the people on the plane, um, you know, Carrie, Jerry, Carolina, Frank, Carl, like those people who, they have jobs, they do their jobs. They have done their jobs for a very long time. And in general, relatively well. They know how to do stuff. Tom doesn't actually do anything except in the last season be Logan's little bitch boy. So what is Tom bringing to the table now that Logan is go- gone? And the thing about Greg, and I want to posit a little conspiracy theory. thing about Greg is he's a fucking cockroach. Oh. And cockroaches will survive anything greg is there mosing about he's like oh you are you sure you don't want me on the plane with you and then he's trying to mosey to the sibs then he's like oh i made a list of nice things about carrie you know he is always sort of maintaining himself in a position where he's within like a comfortable distance of the sphere of power but he doesn't want any actual power for himself which makes him different from Tom like he he's very comfortable doing his non-job yeah right He's fine because he's now very entertained by the side benefits. Like flirting with women and like going on Tinder dates and wearing open collar suits, which look quite good on him. Like he's in a smarmy phase. Like he doesn't, he has no shame and no particular allegiances. Like he will, if the tide goes against Tom, he'll dump Tom. He has no allegiance to that either. Not really. So it's tom that has actually like actually invested his loyalty and now is in a position where he's kind of teetering on the edge Because now it all depends on him and he's a bit too visible for someone who has no actual (laughs) skill or
1: isn't very good at his job because he basically just married into his job. Yeah, you're so right. He doesn't know anything about running a news network, does he? And we've never actually seen him competently do anything that involves running a news network. Yeah.
0: The the only moment we've seen Tom do a job was when we saw him talk to the fascist anchor. Yes. About whether how about how many times he's read the Mine Camp?
1: <laughs> yes, I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right. And I wonder how many of Logan's last demands will get carried out. Are they still mm. gonna fire Jerry? Are they still gonna fire Sid? You know, these actually by the looks of it much more capable women than some of these other people on his team are they going to still follow through on those orders really only Tom and a couple of other people knew about that plan right as well exactly
0: I don't think they are I think that will give well Jerry well Jerry got the unofficial heads up from Roman yeah out of sort of loyalty but there was nothing official and since Logan is gone and those are like competent people in high positions Mm -hmm. I think they're going to stay and they're probably going to reverse the situation so that they're safe and the pers- the people who are threatening their stability are gone. That might be Roman. That might be Tom. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be as easy, especially not for Roman, because he's on the board and, you know, a yeah. Roy. But I think that, like, that will put more people against them that actually put Sid or Jerry at actual risk. Yeah.
1: I'm really intrigued. We've still got seven whole episodes left now, seven episodes to find out exactly what's going to happen post this massive event. Um, so it's re- it feels like really, now, you know, they dropped, after this episode aired, they dropped a big trailer for the season because they were holding back on showing a kind of full trailer for this yes. season because they wanted to wait till episode three had happened, right? Because now what this season really is about is... Post-Logan Roy, what is going to happen and how is this going to end? So I'm so intrigued to know what this season is actually going to shape up to be like at this point. It's going to be so interesting Mm. to see. I mean, I guess the first thing to mention on that topic is how do you feel about the fact that we don't have Brian Cox anymore? Like the rest of this season, is there going to be a big gaping hole for you You know, in terms of Brian Cox's absence on this show?
0: I mean, the thing is, it's just a show full of titans, isn't it? Like, you don't have any one of, every single performer on the show has a sort of different flavor to them, in a way. You know, Brian Cox is this tremendous, grand Shakespearean actor. Like, he'll Mm. be like chewing scenery. Like, when he's in shot, he's everything there. Mm. And Jeremy Strong, was spoken at length about his, like, methodology and the way that he immerses himself in the character. I've heard on the, you know, on that very podcast, on the Succession podcast, Sarah Snook being described as an actor who can do that Meryl Streep thing where, you know, she'll be breaking your heart in one scene and then automatically, like, switch out as soon as they yell cut and be like, oh, okay, yeah, shall we do lunch now? yeah. like That's a completely different scale as a performer. And Kieran Culkin, you know, has this kind of... I, I never really have heard him or read him speak at length about his method. But there seems to be something really instinctual, really bodily, really physical in the way that he plays Roman. And it is absolutely devastating. Like there's such an earnestness to his performance that does not feel mannered at all. And all the people in the background you know these are seasoned tremendous mostly theater actors like you know we talk a lot about jerry but like jerry is jay smith cameron like she's a she's a fucking legend in her own right so you know there's no one who is off tune like not even kind of the younger actors the kind of the nicholas browns uh you know McFadden is incredible in this and we've never he's never been given a role that is as nefarious and comical at the same time which are his like two strengths you know I love people love to think about him as Mr. Darcy but I've never really seen him really chew into a script in this way and this is going to be the all of these characters are going to be the role of a lifetime for the actors that have played them and Brian Cox has said as much but also you know it's perfect timing and i really i really respect that because now that mo that logan roy moment is done like that is an incredible role that we've had for 3 and a bit seasons mm-hmm. plenty of moments plenty mm-hmm. of great speeches plenty of um you know confrontations and catchphrases and put downs and just deeply emotional moments and monstrous moments. I, I'm i not going to miss it because yeah. it's not a type of show that keeps coming back to the same shit over and over again. Especially not now. They are moving forwards. They have, and I've, I've complained about this over the last couple of episodes, circled back a little bit too many times to kind of the same perhaps theme or beat yeah. a few times. But now it's fully full steam ahead moving forward, yeah. and I actually am looking forward to the chaos that's gonna ensue after this grand departure because it's not over. Like it's it would no. be so much weaker if they finished the season with the death of logan roy
1: totally i agree with you 100 as much as i'm gonna miss brian cox we need to see what this world is gonna look like without him and i'm really excited to see what this world is mm. in. we are gonna fill this great big logan roy shaped hole but that's deliberate right because the, the point yeah. of this show the the great tragedy in a way of this show is that logan roy never taught anyone to be like him none of his kid, like he wanted to do everything and live forever and pass his kingdom on to nobody and so what you're left mm-hmm. with now is a bunch of sycophants or people that tried to destroy him but none of them can really competently do the job that he did right and so yeah. i'm kind of excited now to see where this is going to go next and and i love and you're right you know what a show full of incredible actors and obviously all of those siblings and some of those major characters are just wonderful even some of the supporting you know zoe winters as kerry i think is excellent as well right like that you mentioned it already but that moment when she reacts in quite a strange way where she sort of nervously laughs that felt that happens too right you know like the awkwardness of grief and of death sometimes somebody might laugh or make an off-color joke or react inappropriately and like Again, I loved the honesty and the rawness of this episode that different people reacted in different mm. ways like that. And Justine Loop, who plays Willa, you know, like all of these actors are just so tremendous that as much as I'm going to miss Brian Cox, we got so much good stuff of Brian Cox. And I, totally. and I now can't wait to see what this world is going to look like without him. It's going to be intriguing to see.
0: Do you know who's going to be the saddest of them all? Mm. Colin. Colin! Colin the bodyguard! That man's... <laughs> entire world has shifted logan's best friend
1: right His Logan's best be- he said it himself you're my best pal yeah he looked genuinely quite sad yeah. towards the end of this episode didn't he yeah i wonder what he's gonna do it's gonna be so interesting what are your predictions going forward you know what the hell is gonna happen with Matson and this gojo deal do you think that's still gonna happen
0: i think it's gonna happen but it's gonna be a much worse deal right
1: Yes, because because uh, Matson is going to lose faith now in this, I reckon, right? Because he only really trusted Logan, well, right?
0: Look at it from a kind of very well, from a purely kind of economic perspective or ideal perspective. Matson respected Logan, right? Because he's a legend, yeah. he's a titan, he's a beast. Yeah. Matson, even though he might like Ken, he might like Roman. He's not really dealt with Shiv. He doesn't really respect them. In a kind of business way. So he knows he can probably not just not give them more money than what he was already going to do, but absolutely shift the deal around. Also, the Mm -hmm. ATN carve out, that's something that Logan wanted. Is that something the Sibs are going to want? That might mean Mm -hmm. like restructuring the deal again. You know, who's going to run it? That's going to be a big question for anyone. You know, in that in the Matson position, I think there's going to be a huge like negotiation scene uh, between all of them. In the trailer for the next episode, there's moments where we see Matson and Shiv interacting, which we haven't seen before. Yeah. yeah, and I do think that the Roman having conversations with Logan behind their back will come out a little bit later in the season. I think Roman is going to be sitting on that and stewing in that for a little while. That's my gut feeling. We haven't really seen anything.
1: Yeah, well, that was another thing I was wondering about when Roman said, has anyone checked his phone? Has anyone checked his messages? And of course, you could think he was worried about the fact that he left him that voicemail calling his dad a cunt. That's what I thought. It could be that. But there could also be a little bit of him that is like, oh, I've been chatting to my dad this whole time secretly working for him behind yes. my sibling's back. Is that now all going to come out when they go through Logan's phone? You know, so I wonder if he was also worried about you're that. Right. Um, yeah, because you're right. You're that's so all going right. to come out at some point too, right? I'm assuming we'll probably get low. Um, Brian Cox mentioned in an interview on that official podcast that throughout this whole season, mm. each episode is the next day, right? Each episode is a day. So at some point, we're going to get his funeral it, it, it might yeah. be it might be the last episode because like that would be seven days time i don't know but like you know are we going to end up in maybe scotland for a big logan roy funeral and with harriet mm. walter and everyone i wonder i wonder if that's gonna oh happen but i'm yeah i'm so excited to see what's gonna happen next
0: i think tom's gonna make a bid for the top job mm-hmm. i mean you know we've seen this in the trailer
1: yeah
0: um but I think that's gonna be a really big thrust of the next couple of episodes for sure.
1: Yeah. And we still have this impending election as well, right? With the Yes, kind with of, Jared
0: Mencken. Yeah,
1: with the fascist as well. Yes. So it's it's and and is the peer still still gonna happen? Are they still buying peers from Nan and Naomi and everyone? So Well, like, exactly. Yeah. Like
0: because that was completely contingent of them getting money from the Gojo deal. Yeah. And if that falls apart, then obviously the Pierce here deal falls apart which is you know going back to our point a few episodes ago where we're like this is like monopoly money yes like these huge titans of industry or whatever but like when you're talking about in these numbers and in these ways where it's all a house of cards yeah and logan logan's card like fell out and now everything is crumbling yeah you know what i would love to see i'm sure this isn't gonna happen i would love to see jerry carl and frank mostly jerry fuck all of them off. Yes. Genuinely just she's the only one who's a lawyer. She's the general counsel have her engineer a deal that like cuts out the siblings. 100%.
1: <laughs> or something. I agree. In some ways, I do think Frank, Carl and Jerry maybe are the three only competent people in this, right? I mean, they're all a well, little bit sneaky and self-serving, but they are maybe a bit more competent in a way. So A little bit, yeah. A I think bit. Jerry's very competent. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and before we wrap up, I feel like we should just m- mention again... That incredible just the direction of this episode, right? Mark, Mm. Mylod, and like you've mentioned it already that the in the official podcast there are some great interviews with all of them, but just the way in which that whole main centerpiece of this episode is directed, right?
0: Which is not strictly a one-er, is it?
1: No. So basically they it, it it isn't one single take as such, but they did do it in one go but they use two cameras mm-hmm. so we switch mm-hmm. between two cameras and one thing I didn't realise until I listened to this interview is that Succession is, is shot on film it's not shot on digital yeah. so this is a kind of like the old school Hitchcock rope thing where they wanted it to look like one continuous take but they had to change the reels of film every 10 minutes so what mm-hmm. we get is we get one continuous sequence that the actors did in real time for I think 28 minutes while they're going in and out of this party telling each other the news talking over the phones to tom they're all reacting to their father's death all of that stuff is happening for the actors in one long take but we have two cameras filming it and we're switching between Mm -hmm. the two cameras and every time Mm -hmm. we switch to one camera the crew were actually sneakily changing over the film reels so that they didn't have to yell cut and actually interrupt yeah. anything so it doesn't necessarily look like one continuous take to us but it was all shot with the actors in complete real time and choreographed like a one take sequence which is you really and feel that i think don't you it feels absolutely. real time
0: and the you know we talked about the all the performance all the performers it's different approaches to acting i also heard on that podcast that they spent two weeks shooting yeah that that kind of sequence amazing And can you imagine someone like Jeremy Strong, who goes full method, being in that headspace for two weeks straight? Oh my God.
1: Oh my God. Holy
0: fucking (laughs) shit. Can someone give Jeremy Strong a hug?
1: I know. Bless him. They all need and that. They all need that group hug that they gave each other at w- the end. Yeah,
0: I will say like Succession has a, on the direction front. Like outside mm. of that, absolutely stunning. Kind of you know, let's call it like a fake wonder. Yeah. You know, it isn't a wonder, but it it has the propulsiveness. Like that tracking shot of Kendall going to get Shiv. The way that they all you know walk together, Sarah Snook's face changing as they walk together. There's so many just beautiful horrendously sad shots yes. that are kind of like throwaway shots and you know there's a the shot of ken and shiv taking each oh. other's hand and it's very dark yeah and it's just a few seconds the shot of colin the bodyguard looking off at colin logan's body while carrie gets in the car and there's a shift in the focus so we go from him to her yeah nobody else is paying attention to them they're just by themselves and this you know impersonal slick black bends Mm -hmm. you know the shot of roman sitting on the floor when they're off to tell connor and connor just like looks at him and we get this cutaway shot of roman just like absolutely shell-shocked sitting on the floor because it's a running joke now that you know one of the almost instinctual choices at least he said that he's never thought about this deliberately that Kieran Culkin has done throughout the whole season is that Roman never sits right
1: on a chair he's almost like perching in some weird way and
0: even in this moment he's like he's sitting on the floor the entire time
1: yeah and that's becoming such a Roman thing isn't it it's like how season three ends like Roman and you've talked about this a lot his physicality he he physically Mm -hmm gets small and on the floor quite yeah. often you know there's always these moments where he's down it's like low.
0: trying to hide
1: yeah yeah oh,
0: uh
1: and vermin. and a proper again is this the first time ever a real hug between the three siblings at the end on that runway like they actually all embrace each other for i think the first time in the history of this show
0: not the first time is it not not since season one.
1: Oh, there you go there you go.
0: There's there's gifts that I have stared at already way too much for today. <laughs> where they're putting kind of the the last time they all hugged together earnestly. You know, jo- you know, it was a joyful moment. It's when they were all kind of smoking. Um oh, on the boat like the day before. The, the yeah, yeah, at Chip's yeah. wedding in England, and they were just sharing a cigarette and they were making jokes and they shared this one hug, and then they share this hug when their dad dies. Oh. I mean god damn them they're such horrible people (laughs) I know I want them to be happy
1: (laughs) I know incredible incredible (laughs) um there we go what a powerful episode of television that was holy shit just
0: a perfect hour
1: a perfect hour yeah perfect hour
0: of television shall we do our wrap up power rankings
1: yes so who is who comes out on top here who's the MVP for you
0: death 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 wins. Yeah, death has come for Logan Roy I <laughs> and know. has gone like fuck off for one last time.
1: Oh God!
0: Yeah, it's 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 hard
1: to pick a winner of this episode, really, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, I would yeah. say maybe Willa. Uh, you know, like Willa. Yeah, Will and Connor. Yeah, Will and Willa and Connor. And I think Willa ultimately, uh, she she knows what she's getting herself into, and she says, "Look, I'm mm. I'm happy. I'm doing it for the safety and security, and I'm happy." So, you know, maybe. A stretch i could say that willer ends up on top here at this moment but uh, yeah not not the happiest of episodes Married for anyone the love
0: of her life yeah. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> fairytale wedding on a boat
1: oh god Yay. so sad um what's your favorite quote of this episode because again not many of those quick put downs in the way that we've had in the last couple of episodes right
0: no i mean i have like two favorites uh One is kind of a a simple put down. What it's, you know, Ken swatting Greg away and telling him to get your nose out of our tro Gregory. Yeah. Or Greggy. Love
1: that. Um, Love that.
0: But actually I'd say it's also another Kendall quote when he, he does it's a much longer quote, but it's the one where he says, everything we do and say today is going in the memoirs. We're highly liable to misinformation. What we do today will always be what we did the day our father died. <sighs> and it's this horrific realization that they they cannot be allowed to just be people. They need to be the Roy's. Yeah. They need to make a statement. They need to do it quickly. They just need to swallow everything and just go through with it because people are watching and whatever they do will be a a bad reaction.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've got a couple as well. Um, Roman's voicemail to his dad, I think, is is a really powerful moment because mm. in some ways it shows a growth is, and a, yeah. and an and almost end Gosh. to that arc of him being so scared of his dad. You know, him saying in his very mm. Roman way, he's like, "Well, don't mm. feel free not to listen to this, but it's not. I'm not totally okay with you being shitty to me. Uh, your son is getting married. You can't keep expecting me to bend over for you. So I'm just asking." are you a cunt? And I'm like, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that that was actually the last thing he said to his father. I actually think that's quite a good thing. (laughs) You know, like actually, Mm -hmm. yeah. Are you a cunt for doing this? Um, And, and then a much more succession-y line. I love Kendall's planning of the funeral and says, we could do a funeral off the rack, like Reagan's, but with tweaks. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) What does that even mean? A Ronald Reagan Reagan funeral, but with some tweaks, basically. I love it. I love it.
0: It makes me want to Google Ronald Reagan's funeral, but I don't want to because I don't want to fuck up my (laughs) algorithm for the rest of eternity. So true. So true. (laughs) Uh. And I mean, we ask ourselves what's the saddest moment of the episode? This is a tough one. This
1: is a tough one. This is I think it's pretty easy to say right the saddest episode of Succession we've ever had. It's not mm-hmm. often that Succession gets this moving. Uh for yeah. me it would be Shiv it would be Shiv's moment on the phone with her dad, I think. Sarah Snook mm-hmm. above everyone else, you know, really destroyed me her performance in this and that particular moment where she's on the phone. Yeah, what about you?
0: Well, i made a whole twitter thread of these so you can just go and check them out because there's a whole list but i would say if i have to summarize it in one thing i think it's the i think it's the shot of roman on the floor yeah i think it's just that one shot of him on the floor kind of in between a glass table and a horrible beige couch like yeah it just kills me oh
1: god well, there we go. I think we we need a. We, what does it? What is it that Carl calls it? A stiffener. I feel like we need it. We need to go to the pub for a stiffener after that episode, Anna.
0: Holy shit! Yeah, I mean, a good job for us and not crying because I was like, I'm like, I'm like deflated. You know, when you started doing the intro, I was like, it's too peppy. <laughs> it's too peppy. We're mourning, man.
1: I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> well that's it that's it for another week of succession hopefully hopefully it's going to be a little bit more fun next week but let's see let's see what happens uh what an incredible episode of television i can't wait to see what happens next but until next week anna let us know where they can find you and more of your work online
0: you can find me on twitter and instagram at anabedemented tweet at me what you thought of this episode which moment crushed your spirit in the way that it crushed mine (laughs) you can also follow my horror podcast The Final Girls and you can pre-order my book Unlikable Female Characters everywhere where you buy books you can also listen to Mike and talk about the Scream movies over at Hello Sydney and by the time this airs you'll also be able to subscribe to our new Evil Dead podcast Dead by Dawn so there's plenty of horror chat to catch up on Um, and if you want more devastating TV recaps then it's currently a hiatus but plenty of episodes of my American Horror Story recap podcast The Next Supremes
1: love that yes uh and yeah you can find uh me at on twitter at the movie mike my horror podcast the evolution of horror uh and yeah if you want even more of me and anna check out hello sydney about the scream movies or dead by dawn about the evil dead movies uh that's it for this week thank you so much for listening and tune in next week for another episode of the succession easters
0: the succession (laughs) easters oh god (laughs) oh (laughs) god
1: Fuck off.